Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Black Woman Voices. We will call this the dissertation edition. I'm one of the hosts, Anne, and about a year ago, I asked my sister hosts if I could record special episodes that focus on the topic of my research and would be included in my dissertation. My area of focus is Black women and identity development within an educational context. In the beginning, that was about as much information as I had. I seriously had no clue how I was going to pull this off or how it would flow. What I did know was that I wanted the stories of black undergraduate women explored by them, written by them, told by them, and their own voice. In addition to hearing the participants, the series will feature other black women researchers who study black women. What should you expect, you ask? Well, that's a great question. Each episode will feature the story of a particular participant and will conclude with what I call my research notes. Now, these were maybe um, journal writings that I did after I interviewed the participants or just other thoughts that came to light after working with that particular participant. Now, one of the central things that I realized while going through this process was how much I could identify with many of the experiences of the participants. Now, you'll hear some of that in my research notes segment as well. The purpose of my research is to expand knowledge and understanding of identity development within the intersection of gender and race. So that is being both black and woman and how our educational experiences, our family experiences and relationships and other relationships and the lessons that we learn shape us. My work in ways extends and in other ways upends the work of other researchers in this space, including Drs. Cross, Agbu, Patricia Hill Collins, Kimberly Crenshaw, and Venus Evans Winters. Well, here goes in the words of Erica Badu. I'm going to test this out on y'all, but remember, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my ish. The first interview will feature Naomi. Her voice will be the next voice you hear after this short break. My name is Naomi Bolden, and I am 22 years old from Chicago, Illinois. My immediate family has lived in the South Shore neighborhood for over 25 years, with my dad's family living on the north side. My mom's family is from Des Moines, Iowa, and Mexico, Missouri, and my dad's is from Chicago and Little Rock, Arkansas. I am the youngest of three siblings. I have one older sister and one older brother and two nieces and a nephew. I started school at Robert A. Black Magnet School, also located in the South Shore neighborhood. I went there from kindergarten through eighth grade and then went to high school at King College Prep in the Bronzeville neighborhood. When I was in high school, a girl named Hadia Pendleton was shot and killed 
after our school's final exams. Although I did not know Hadia personally, her death affected me from then on because I never knew anyone that had been killed due to gun violence. From then on, I never felt safe at school, regardless of the fact that the shooting didn't occur there. About a year after Hadia died, I was walking home from the bus to my house about three blocks away. Out of nowhere, I heard gunshots, and I didn't know what else to do besides run into a nearby payday loan store. I ducked underneath a chair to take cover in case bullets came through the window. I cried as I first dialed 911 and then my mother to come and pick me up. I never walked that way home again. And from then on, I always thought in the back of my mind that I may never live to go to college as I had always dreamed. After Hadia, it seemed like a curse was cast on my school. Three more students died in the following years. One was sick, one died in a car accident, and the other was shot during a convenience store shooting. I have to note that these were all African-American female students, and this type of thing was unheard of at my school. We were a college prep, and our band was nationally known, having performed at Obama's second inauguration, and we were a blue ribbon school. There was tragedy coming left and right, and as I look back now, it's trauma I didn't know how to deal with. I went along business as usual and never looked back when I graduated in 2016. The first thing I learned how to do was dance. I knew how to do that before I could add and subtract. My mom put me in classes when I was three, ballet and tap. Dance taught me to be disciplined, and it was my first introduction to the meaning of commitment. There were times I missed birthday parties because I had to attend class or go to recital, but in the end, it was worth it. I continued ballet through elementary school and even picked up cheerleading for four years. When I got to high school, I took dance class there as well and joined a dance team called Jaguar Essence, where I danced with our renowned band. I danced all over the city with them even having the chance to perform at a Chicago Bears halftime show, in the Bud Billiken Parade, and out of state twice at the Mardi Gras Parade in New Orleans. I auditioned for a summer intensive program at the Joffrey Ballet Chicago at the end of my freshman year in 2013. I was picked and danced there for three and a half years, finally becoming an intern in 2016 for the company I once danced for. As we can see, dance shaped a majority of my life. It brought me peace among so much turmoil and death, something that many Chicago youth know all too well. It was encouraged by my dad, who also had a passion for sports and athletics. I continued to dance in college, as expected, and eventually became the vice president of the Young Beautiful Ladies, also known as YBL, majorette dance team at NIU. No one in my family has graduated from college, not even my grandparents, and I'm excited to be the first in my family to do it. My father did attend trade school and earned a certification to become an electrician. My mother attended DePaul University in Chicago on a track and field scholarship, but dropped out her junior year when she had to raise my sister as a single mom. My sister started community college at Harold Washington 
but did not finish. My brother never went to school, but I don't knock him for it because school is not for everyone. All of them had kids between the ages of 19 and 22. And I'm sure that had a lot to do with the differences in the experiences of me and my family. We're a blended family, which means my brother and sister are actually my half-brother and sister, and they are step-siblings. My upbringing was quite different from theirs, and sometimes I feel that my brother resents me for that. We don't talk at all and haven't for the last three years. I stopped reaching out once I realized the effort to build a relationship was one-sided. He still communicates with our father from time to time, and their relationship has gotten better. My father is a computer technician and has been since leaving his job as an electrician in 2005. My mother was a mental health counselor for over 20 years, but had to leave her job due to the stress and anxiety that COVID-19 was causing her. She stuck it out as long as she could until she felt it was no longer worth her mental health and safety. My sister, father, and I had all been wanting her to leave for a while, but this isn't how she imagined it would be. Being a black woman at a PWI is a challenge, but I wouldn't change my experience at NIU for anything. I came from a mostly black school and neighborhood and had all black friends except for the mixed twins I grew up with, whose mom was black and dad was white. There was little exposure to other cultures during my childhood, and as a graduating senior, I was anxious to escape and see what or who else was out there. I've experienced racism, both overt and covert forms. It made my skin thicker and my soul hungrier to reach my goals. Being called a nigger, a monkey, being told I needed to go back to Africa. I have no idea what my African roots even are, if we are being honest. Struggling with depression, anxiety, and wanting to drop out of school. I experienced all these things for the first time when I came to NIU, and they made me stronger, hungrier, and more aware of the type of world we live in. I had the worst grades my junior year, getting two Ds on my transcript. I had never been so disappointed in myself being the perfectionist that I am. I had failed myself is what I kept thinking, but I was really too hard on myself looking back. I made it through and I am now applying for law school. I hope to attend Georgetown next year and know that I'm in for a great ordeal being a black woman at a predominantly white prestigious law school. I never realized how many of my childhood experiences shaped my adulthood. Education is the gateway to the future, and had it not been for me coming to NIU, I may not have had a future to look forward to. This podcast gave me a chance to be vulnerable and exposed, to face issues I thought were just mere temporary circumstances. I hope what I've said helps someone else.
And now for my research notes. Before I begin, more information on the resources I use for this segment will be in the show notes. So one thing from this episode I want to discuss centers around the definition of black feminist intellectuals. This concept became clear to me through the work of Dr. Patricia Hill Collins and the second edition of her text, Black Feminist Thoughts. In it, she writes, black women intellectuals are neither all academics nor found primarily in the black middle class. Instead, all black women who somehow contribute to black feminist thought as critical social theory are deemed to be intellectuals. Now, after grappling with my interpretation of the theme, my next immediate thought when I heard Naomi's encounter with the incident of violence and her response was that she is the very definition of a black woman intellect. Her experiences have developed her consciousness and have in some ways guided her subsequent actions in life. It was said that Ida B. Wells Barnett became even more determined to tell the stories of black people after witnessing the public lynching of black people in Memphis, Tennessee. Similarly, Naomi recounted the exact steps she took during a shooting, including first calling the police and then her mother. A protocol that was established during a time when her very life was threatened. Naomi went on to recount that her thought was that she may not make it to college. This led me to ask the question, what are black women's ways of knowing? And how do these ways impact the work that we do on behalf of black women? Let me go back a little. I first met Naomi as the on-campus staff advisor for the student chapter of the NAACP. I always thought of her as such a go-getter. She eventually became student body president and led with a change mindset. After hearing her piece, I started to hear how her experiences potentially and probably shaped her leadership lens and her development as an intellect. Many scholars in the black feminism space agree that the experiences of black women are not a monolith. Think Sojourner Truth, Anna Julian Cooper, Audre Lorde, Bell Hooks, Mickey Kendall, and Brittany Cooper, to name a few, all considered black feminist scholars with both shared and differing experiences and opinions. Again, the experiences of black women are not a monolith, and the continued development of black feminist thought broadens who we would include as black women intellectuals. Initially, one of the research questions guiding this project was how do black undergraduate women narrate their experiences attending a predominantly white institution? Through conducting research and giving further thought, that question has evolved into how have the experiences and messages black women received through formal and informal channels of education contributed to their identity development? Further, how are these experiences and messages curating black women intellectuals? There is a knowing and understanding that I heard in Naomi's voice. Her experiences and the messages that she received are interwoven into her story. One final note, each episode will end with a clip of a song that the participant chose to describe their life journey. Naomi chose Emotionless by Drake. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for taking the time to listen to Black Woman Voices. Please come back next Friday to check out the next episode in this special series. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
All the links will be in the show notes. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please leave us a review and share it with others. That helps others to find our podcast. Now, let's start a conversation. Take care and talk soon.